Scripture reading this morning will be from Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. I'll be reading from the NIV if you want to follow along. The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. O sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. And the Lord replied, Don't say I am too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Good morning. First off, real quick, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love and your support that you've given me. If this is not, if you don't have a church home and you're looking for one, I would strongly suggest that you find Savannah as your home because, because of the Lord and this church, I've, I see myself doing this in the future. And it, it's, I've been overwhelmed, especially the past couple of days, with just the love and the support that has been poured out for me. So thank you. If you have your Bibles, be opening up. If you want to mark there in Jeremiah, we're going to spend a lot of time in Jeremiah. But we're going to briefly look at 2 Kings 21 because that's where this week's portion of the story comes from. There in chapters from chapter 17. In a small rural town in Texas, there was a third grade teacher named Sally Edwards. And in third grade is one of those times where the state likes to put these placement tests upon the kids. And from personal experience, as many of us, we hate placement tests. Well, Sally knew that her kids were going to be nervous, so she wanted to make sure they're a little bit more comfortable when the test rolled around. So she made up her own practice test for these kids, and his 20-question test, real easy. And one of the questions was, name the four seasons in order. That was all it was. Name the four seasons in order. And over half of her classroom answered that question this way. Dove season, deer season, quail season, and turkey season. Now, bless those children first off, but so many times the people in the world, or even some of us, myself included, especially in these Old Testament parts, this, the Bible is kind of confusing. We don't necessarily know what it's, what it's talking about. So that's the good thing about the story. And up until this point, we've seen God's faithfulness. He, through the Bible and this story, we've been able to to explain some things. There's some people in this world that believe an epistle is an apostle's wife. There's, there's some people, if you ask them, will you name the books of the gospel for me? They'll say Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. But the story has helped us explain these things. And this week, we come to this point where all these things have been building up to. We've seen God's faithfulness with Noah and the ark. We've seen God's faithfulness with Abraham and with Moses bringing the children out of Egypt into the Promised Land. Well, we know during that time there's been many difficult things going on. And through those difficulties, God's people have kind of turned away. They've kind of lost who they were. And they've fallen. So this morning, I want us, want us to focus on three main things. That a kingdom's fall is a king's call to evangelize. That a kingdom's fall is a king's call to repent. 
that a kingdom's fall is a king's call of assurance. So that's the three things that we're going to look at. But before we dive into those, we need to look at the, king's, the kingdom's fall and how they fell. In 2 Kings chapter 21 is where the story there in chapter 17 starts. And the first king that we're introduced to is Hezekiah's son, Manasseh. Manasseh was an evil king, not like his father. His father had taken out all the, the idols and all the altars to false gods and the Asherah poles. But Manasseh comes back and he rebuilds them all. He, he builds back these things and not only does he build them back, he builds them back in the temple of the Lord. Can you imagine being kicked out of your house? This coming up weekend, we're going to have EU. Many of us are going to be kicked out of our houses and overtaken by a bunch of teenagers. For us, personally, we seriously are kicked out of our house. We go down to my grandmother's and we're not there. Can you imagine being God and a king, one of your creations, coming in and kicking you out of your house? God said, this is my temple in Jerusalem and I will dwell there. And they come in and kick him out by building false idols. The kingdom's fall is due to false idols. After Manasseh, we have his son Amon. And Amon was so evil that his own officials decided, hey, he's a little too much for us, let's kill him. His own officials kill him. And then the people find out that his officials killed him, and the people kill the officials. So now we have all this innocent bloodshed. All this big drama. I can see Hollywood just going to town with that. All this drama and, and backstabbing. So after Amen, we finally see this kind of period of, of rest and reform through Josiah. But after Josiah, we start back with, with the evil, evil kings. We have Joaz and Joachim and Joachim and all of them. That's a, that's a bunch of hard names, but they're all evil. Evil kings. And after Joachim, we have Zedekiah. The kingdom's fall was first off because of idolatry. The people had turned away from God. They had forgotten who their God was and did not necessarily worship them. That, that's not completely true saying that, that they had forgotten their God because we'll read in the text that they were still worshiping to God. They were still sacrificing Him to Him. But not only were they just sacrificing to Him and Him only, because God is a jealous God and He only wants us to worship Him. They're also, also worshiping Baal and all these other gods. So, so they were worshiping and sacrificing to God, but they weren't devoted to Him. We have the evil kings and we have innocent bloodshed, but the number one thing, the number one reason that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Judah fell was an unrepentant heart. God had set before them a man that was standing in their way saying, listen, you're going down this road and, it, and you don't need to go down that. There's consequences at the end of this road if you don't turn around. But Judah would not listen. Why would God not save the kingdom from falling? If God is a God of love, we've, we've looked at this at the story and the whole time we've seen a God of love. His people are in distress and He comes and He saves them. Why would this God... The God that we know and that we love and that is full of mercy, why would He let His children fall, be sent into exile, be captive again? Why would He do that? Well, if He just lets His children go on doing what they're doing, it's going to send a confusing message to those and the nations around Judah and to Judah itself. 
We know that our God is a righteous God. That our God is a perfect God and He cannot be around sin. So the way that Judah is living at this time is a sinful way. It's evil. The Scriptures say there in 21 verse 9 that that Judah was doing so much evil that it was more evil than all of the nations that God had destroyed previously. And if God, the one true God, allows it to continue, the other nations around them, God now becomes a laughing stock. You said your God was like this, but where is He? He's letting you do things that you shouldn't be doing. God's not going to let Himself be a laughing stock. Why did God not save the kingdom? Well, He did save the kingdom. He didn't destroy it. He didn't destroy it. And this morning, as we see the kingdom's fall and we know why it's fallen, let's look at what the call to us today is. We're going to be looking at Jeremiah. So if you have your Bibles there in Jeremiah, go ahead and be opening, going back to Jeremiah. God's kingdom has fallen. And it's falling currently. And, and there's all this evil going on. And the Lord knows where it's going to lead. He's going to know that if His people do not change their ways, they're going to be sent into exile. So He comes to the prophet Jeremiah. And He says, listen, I need you to go. I need you to go and to evangelize, to stand in their way, and let them know what is going to happen. So we see this interaction between God and Jeremiah in chapter 1. That was read for us earlier. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord stretched out His hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Now Jeremiah, remember, was living during this time. He knows the evil that's going on. He probably knows quite a bit of the people and knows how evil the land is. And God has just said, I need you to go and to talk to them. I need you to go and tell them what they're doing and tell them I need them to change because I don't want to destroy them. God does not want harm to come on His children. But if they don't change, it will come. And Jeremiah says, Lord, hold on. Hold on. How many of us say that sometimes? Whenever we feel something on our heart real heavy that the Lord wants us to do. And we're just, hold on. Are you sure you want that? Jeremiah's like, hold on, Lord. Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you need me to do? The Lord says, before you were in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. And I had a plan for you. A plan. I set you apart to go and do this. This morning, find peace that the Lord has a plan and that He's going to be with us and see that plan through. God has chosen Jeremiah to go and do His work. 
As we've studied and this morning, I came into the auditorium class real quick and I heard Mr. Roy talking about how the kingdom of Judah kind of sounds like today. It kind of sounds like what we're facing today. How there's people that's not loving the Lord. There's people that know the Lord and they might say they're a Christian, but they're really not acting like a Christian. There's a lot of carelessness going on. Innocent bloodshed. Unrepentant hearts. The Lord has called us to go and to evangelize. To go and let them know that if they don't change, it's going to end bad. That He loves them. And Jeremiah has been called to go. And the Lord says, I will be with you. And Jeremiah says, but I'm too young and I can't speak. And the Lord says, don't worry about it. When you get there and you trust in me, I will give you the words and I will let you know where to go and the people will not overtake you. Now, we find on later as we read in Jeremiah that there was a plot to kill Jeremiah because the people were so upset by what he was saying. Because they were so angry at him for calling them out. But the Lord protects him. So how does this apply to us today? In Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 10, we'll read that, that we were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. That whenever we put Him on in this watery grave and we were raised anew, we were created in Him to do good works. That He has a purpose for us to go and to evangelize, for us to go and to share His Word. It's coming up weekend. Keep on talking about it because it's right here and it's a big thing. It's, it's our time to help teenagers learn how to evangelize. To go and to equip them to go into the world. To go into the unrepentant nation. And to help them show others, listen, there's a God that loves, that loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But it only begins there. I should probably change my slide, I'm sorry. Will you all change it back there? I can't. There we go. But if you go on and read a little bit further in Ephesians chapter 2, there 11 through 12, there's something that's really interesting that I think we don't need to overlook. So if you want to turn there, we're going to read that real quick. Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. It says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Whenever you go and evangelize, remember where you came from. As Christians, we're not called to be snobs. As Christians, we're not called to act like we're better than people. We're called to be humble, to be loving, to show them who our Savior was. So when we evangelize, remember that we were once too without hope. But now we have a hope and we have a hope to share. And we have, because we've heard the next call, we've now been called to evangelize. But the people we're talking to, we're hoping, is hearing the call of repentance. If you will go ahead and change the slide. The call of repentance. Jeremiah, back in Jeremiah chapter 4. We see God talking to His people through Jeremiah. Pleading with them. Pleading with them to change. Pleading with them to come back home. And to do 
and to make Him the one and only God. Starting in verse 1. If you, Israel, will return, then return to me. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if you, in a truthful, just, and righteous way, you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by Him, and in Him they will boast. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you've done. Burn with no one to quench it. The Lord is is talking to His people, to His kingdom, that's about to fall if they don't change. He says, please turn to me. You have these idols in my house. You're worshiping things that you've created that's not going to help you. Please turn back to me. Circumcise yourself. Circumcise your heart. Circumcision is a very personal thing. And whenever we say circumcise our heart, it's personal. Only you know what you struggle with. You can have a best friend that you tell everybody, everything to. But only you know what the Lord needs to take out of your life. What, what is hindering you from being His and His only. Circumcise your heart. Let the, let the Lord work in your life, in your heart. But the kingdom did, did not listen to Jeremiah's words from the Lord. They didn't listen. So, so we have the kingdom that's fallen now. It's fallen and the hardships of their sin is now upon them. And, and we see this story, or not this story because it happened, we see this scenario in, in Jeremiah chapter 14 where the children of Judah have now faced the consequences of their sin. They're starting to realize what they've really done. And they start to reach out to God and say, Lord, where are you? So this morning, I ask you, whenever we start facing the consequences of sin or we see the consequences of sin or we've been told that we're in sin, are you sorry or are you repentant? In Jeremiah chapter 14, if you want to turn over there, Jeremiah 14. Starting in verse 7. Although our sin testify against us, do something, Lord, for the sake of your name. For we often rebelled. We have sinned against you. You who are the hope of Israel, its Savior in times of distress, why are you like a stranger in the land, like a traveler who stays only at night? Why are you like a man taken by surprise, like a warrior powerless to save? You are among us, Lord, and we bear your name. Do not forsake us. Well, there was a drought during this time. The funny thing about a drought was the people of Judah were worshiping Baal. And Baal was a god of, of rain and of crops and of those things. So, so a famine is a direct attack against Baal. So that's, that's some irony that we have there that we can see. But we have the people of Judah that are finally facing the consequences of the wrong and the evil they've done over the past several years. And they're saying, Lord, where are you? You've always saved us in times of distress. Where are you now? You're our Savior in times of distress. 
Why is God not their Savior in times of good and of peace? In your life this morning, is God your Savior in times of distress or in times of distress and of peace? Whenever we, are, we see the sin and, and we're called to repent, are we sorry that we were caught in the sin or are we repentant? Do we change? Are we ready to let go and circumcise our hearts? Circumcise ourselves to the Lord. Well, we see God's love for us in a passage in John chapter 8. We see that the Lord has been teaching and as He's doing this, some Pharisees come to Him. They have a woman. A woman that's been caught in adultery. And, and the Pharisees say, Lord, you know, the, you know the law. It says this woman should be stoned. And the Lord says, whoever is here without, this, without sin, you cast the first stone. Well, as, as it goes, the oldest to the youngest, each one leave. And no one's, no one's there left. Is left there. But the Lord and this woman. And the woman doesn't condemn her. The woman doesn't, doesn't give her a hard time. Says, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Repent. Change. Live for me. Have me as your God. Find hope in me. I spared you. I save you, and I can save you, and I will save you. So that's the last call this morning. Is we've had the call of evangelism. We've had we've had the call of repentance that God has given to His kingdom and has given to us today. And the last thing that the Lord tells us this morning through this passage and through Jeremiah is a call of assurance. The Lord wasn't harsh with this woman. He just said, go and sin no more. And God spared Judah. Yes, they were in exile. But if you look at all the nations, it says that Judah was more evil than all the nations he had destroyed. Destroyed. Why did God not destroy Judah? It was His people. He made a promise. He had a covenant with them. And God always keeps His end of the deal. So Lamentations chapter 3. Lamentations chapter 3. Beginning in 19. I remember my afflictions and my wondering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Verse 21, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Verse 22, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, The Lord is my portion, therefore I wait on Him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in Him. To the one who seeks Him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Jeremiah says, Lord, I've seen the way Judah's acted, and I know what you've done previously. How you've destroyed those who do not fear you, that do not love you, that have other gods before you. But you spared us for some unknown reason. You've saved us. Jeremiah says, and I find hope in that. I find hope that you have given me this day. 
This past week, I've been praying for each and every one of you in this room that God would prepare your heart for this morning, that He would prepare my heart. If you're not a Christian this morning, I ask you, why are you here? Why are you here? Maybe the Lord has put you here today so that you would hear His Word, that you would hear His call to repent, that you would hear this call of assurance. The Lord has given you another day. We're not guaranteed anything. So why not today? Why not find your hope in Him? He saved us. And His mercies are new every morning. The Lord is good. Although the kingdom of God fell, He saved them. The Messiah still came. There's still more of the story to come of how how they are freed from exile and they, they go back to the land. But God is good. And He always keeps His end of the deal. He's kept His end of the deal with us today. We don't have to make sacrifices on a yearly basis or even more often than that because we're under the new covenant. Because we have the Lord Jesus Christ that has saved us and has allowed us to put Him on in baptism and to raise anew and to have hope of eternal life. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible comes from 1 John chapter 1, starting about verse 7 through 2.2. 2. I'm just going to paraphrase it. It says that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with Him. And His blood continually cleanses us. And it goes on to say in verse 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us from all unrighteousness. Everything we've ever done. All the evil, all the hatred, all the sin. Cleanse it. It's gone if we confess it to Him. And He goes on there starting in, verse, in chapter 2. Verse 1, it says, Little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, who is our propitiation, who has made a way for us to come to Christ. So that if we were a fallen people, like we were, we were lost. He's now made us found. He's now given us a hope. Put your hope in the Lord this morning. Because for those who hope in the Lord, there is life. For those who put Him on in baptism, for those who put their faith in Him, there is life. Exile is not the end. It's just a call. It's just a call to come home and to know that the Lord is God. If you have a need this morning, if you're ready to come home, ready to put Him on in baptism, you need the prayers of the church, whatever it is, it will be known as we stand and sing.